Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck sticks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF, it's called. How's it going? These shows that you're listening to now were done last week because uh, we needed to get this week done. Because uh, my producer, Brendan, is uh, taking uh, some R&R with the fam, as they say, when you have a fam and take R&R. Me, I don't know from that. But so this is actually occurring... The day after I played Largo with my band, the unnamed band, because I didn't want to name them out of a sense of insecurity. I just wanted to play. And many of you knew about the lead up and what was I, what was at stake. It's very interesting what was at stake, which was, uh, as I explained it to you all a while back, it was the trauma, the trauma of failure, the trauma of failure in front of people. Which, oddly, I made my life. As I talked to you uh, weeks before the performance about uh, the, the final show at music camp, where I crapped out with a bunch of guys who were wasted. I, I don't need to recap the story. The movement towards performing on stage in the capacity that I did last night, which would have been last week, uh, for you listening now, was to, to sort of... Own it. Be the band leader. Do the singing. Pick the songs and do it with enough confidence to where I wasn't falling into myself on stage. I wasn't trying to disappear as I perform on stage. That's a, that's some the magic of insecurity is not entertaining, which means if you're up there trying to do a show of any kind, but inside you're like, I don't want to be here. I'm going to check out. I'm going to leave my body here and uh, and see if they can see that magic. Of course they, t- they can see it. You'll fail because you've left. You've left your body. It's not impressive. Even I don't even think it would be impressive if you set it up like that. If you said, now I'm going to leave my body and let my, my empty machine perform for you while I go elsewhere and feel bad about what I dragged that machine through. So I don't know if you'll see this magic, but it's happening. If you presented it like that, people would be like, oh, this sounds like it should be good. It's not good. It's not. It's sad. And it's uh, it's not entertainment. So ultimately, the attempt was to 
at least immerse myself in the songs and the playing. At least have enough belief in my singing and my playing to uh, to do it with this group of guys that I I've chosen to uh, to uh, support me in this. One of them being Jimmy Vivino, who was going to play a couple songs, but then ended up playing all the songs. He's part of the band and was into it. So I'm playing with Jimmy Vivino, who you know from uh, being Conan's band leader, who showed me so many licks over the years and let me use so many guitars and let me like I a real hero of mine. Real honor to play with him in a in a way that I hadn't before, which was as an equal. Obviously, I'm not. I just play what I play, and I'm a little jolty and choppy and choky up there, but I think that'll 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 kind of ease up. It was a good time, and we definitely, I definitely transcended the trauma. I definitely reconfigured it in my mind. I did active sound therapy on a sound-based trauma, an out-of-tune sound-based trauma trauma on the show today i talked to uh, zoe lister jones uh, she came up when uh when i was actually talking to helen hunt helen uh, if you remember helen said she had just shot a movie directed by zoe and that she was an interesting person who would make it for a good guest and i watched a movie the movie is how it ends which came out earlier this summer is now available to buy or rent on digital platforms she's an actor uh who was a regular on the series delocated whitney the new girl She's been in movies like the other guys. She directed two other features, Band-Aid and The Craft Legacy. And I uh, I thought, well, why don't I talk to this woman about her work? And uh, she agreed. And it was, uh, it was very funny. I liked her. I think you'll enjoy it. So the songs. It was a great show. I had uh, Lori Kilmartin do comedy and Fahim Anwar, who I think is very funny. One of the funniest guys. He's like a young dude. He's funny. I always thought he was funny, but now I think he's funnier. I haven't felt this way about... I haven't had the sort of a comedy man crush on uh, any uh, comics since uh, probably Bargatze. Yeah, and he's you know, he's huge now. So maybe maybe he'll become a big star and not talk to me. Maybe that'll, that's what... What do I sound like? I sound like, uh, like a, a sad, obsessed woman. Funny guy. That's all I'm saying. Jesus Christ. Back off. Back off. Yeah, so basically the structure of the show was we got a blues going, got a little A blues going, a little, little shuffle to it, and the, the band went out there and they started that. I walked out, strapped on my guitar, did a little monologue, setting up the evening, a little bit of that jump blues feel behind me, kind of riffing away, old school. Then I laid down some riffs, some uh, some relatively meaty blues riffs. Though it's weird that like I don't play with people often, and so... The, the difference in confidence between me kind of really kind of locking in here in the garage and me on stage with somebody just felt a little jolty, a little tentative. I'd like to get past that. See, this is the this is the big deciding thing for me is that, okay, I've done it. Now, do I just put it behind me and say, like, that's done? Or do I try to get better at it? Does the world need another, you know, cranky Jewish middle-aged white guy playing guitar with his friends uh, publicly? No. Am I trying to be a professional musician? No. Do I think I'm good enough to be entertaining alongside my comedy? I think so. I think so. Do I think I could get better? Yes. Am I going to judge myself against people who are much better than me and use that to beat myself up with? Probably. Probably going to do a little of that. Was I happy with what I did? I was. So we did that. We did the blues and we went into the Spaceman 3. Um, I Walk With Jesus. Then Lori did some very funny dark humor. Then I came back. We did uh, What Goes On by the Velvet Underground. We did The Stroll by the Diamonds. Then uh, Fahim did some some work. 
up there, some funny work. Then uh, I came back. We did uh, ISIS. Yeah, we did. We did ISIS by Bob Dylan. That's where I, I might have made a mistake in judgment. Very long song, about 13 verses, very dirgy, kind of a, a late mid-period Dylan piece from uh, the Desire album, which is one of my favorite songs and quite a story, but not a Dylan song that most people know. So I went into a dirgy 13-verse Dylan song that most people don't know, you know, three quarters of the way through the show. Not, not a great choice in terms of my ability to get through it without going like, wow, this is going on for a while. Sorry, didn't mean to drag you through this. Couldn't muster up the small amount of confidence I had for the evening and apply it to getting through ISIS without making funny comments at how long it was. And it's such a great song, mad that I ruined it. Then after ISIS, I did some comedy. Then we came back, we did Broke Down Palace. It was the day before Lynn Shelton's birthday, which was last uh, Friday. I think that one of the reasons I did the show was for Lynn. She would have liked it. And I did Broke Down Palace, and I cried during rehearsal. Didn't cry the night of the show, but I did like sort of have a hard time remembering the words and chords, so I had to keep looking at it. But I think it was a defense mechanism against not crying during it. Then we kind of closed the show. Then we came back, and we did Rollin' and Tumblin', Muddy Waters song, which I believed in some weird way was necessary to know how to play your own. It's necessary to own that song to be a blues guy. So you got to do your version of it. And ours sort of sounded beef ish which uh, Vivino pointed out. So, you know, it kind of went into a beef direction, which I was like, great. Not only do I understand Muddy Waters, but finally understand beef And you're right. That's what it sounds like. That's where we ended up. I was proud of it. Proud of it. Proud of the evening. It all went well. It went good. Fucking Dr. Bronner sent me all this goddamn chocolate and uh, they're making chocolate now and it's so fucking good and this isn't a paid plug. It's just, I, I just want to say that uh, it's amazing and go fuck yourself. You know, fuck the chocolate bars. I, I have like 40 of them. What am I going to do with that? I'm just going to eat them and get doughy and weird. It's going to lead to pasta. Fucking man, just shovel the coals into the shame engine, will you? I got to find the funny. That's a quotable. Let's put that on my gravestone when I die of fucking a clogged heart from pasta and chocolate. Shovel the coals into the shame engine. I got to find the funny. Is that what I said? I like it. I like it. Listen, uh, Zoe Lister-Jones is here. Her, her movie, How It Ends, is available to buy or rent on digital platforms. It's got Helen Hunt, Fred Armisen, Olivia Wilde, Nick Kroll, Bobby Lee, Whitney Cummings, Charlie Day, Paul Shear, Bradley Whitford, and a bunch of other people you know and like, not including me. Wow. I just was not on her list. Why did I even have her on? This is me talking to Zoe Lister-Jones. Enjoy. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something 
to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So how often do you go to the dermatologist? I try to go every six months. It's been two years since I've been there. Oh, Mark. I had a basal cell on my face. You got to go. I'm going Wednesday. Okay. But it didn't feel like that long. I guess COVID and whatever time got weird. I've always been. I'm like, I'm a super hypochondriac, but I also don't Uh, go to the doctor enough. It's a dumb. What's enough? I go every year to the doctor. I don't know. Yeah, every year. But like, there was like, there were like two years. There was a two year span that I didn't go to the dentist. That's not okay. My dentist retired. Okay. I don't know what to do about that either. You got to get a different one. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, how do you, just the idea of trying to find a dentist is, is, and and I have money, Yeah. but the idea of looking for one that's good, I never think I get the good one ever of anything. No. Do you? No. In fact, I was wondering if I was cursed the other day with just like a terrible, I have terrible luck in the service industry in general. What was that? What brought that on? Mm, this is a really like bougie. No, it's going to be great. Thing. It's going to be it's going to be this <laughs> pathetic display of time in your um, brain. What? Uh, wait, no, we're yeah. Well, bad luck service I had a industry. Bad, <laughs> I had a really bad massage. <laughs> well, that this yeah, is a really good way to start. No, off. but you don't know with the massages. It's you never know, and and I just feel like I always yeah I just always strike out. With massages or in general? With massages, and specifically, and then also... How often do you get massages? Because well, people tell me, like, you should be, do it regularly. Again, I'm not bragging, but I could afford to have a massage, yeah. maybe even once a month. But the idea of just, like, the touching... <laughs> <laughs> you don't like that? It's okay. No, I, I don't mind it. I, I trust a massage person. Right. And I don't, I don't even care. Male, female, doesn't matter. Right. But, you know, you better do something. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. Yeah. I, I was like in, I had, I had been traveling a lot. For what, for the work. movie? Yeah, and then I, d- I just shot this um, other movie uh, in Montreal. And so I just like, my body was like, I just needed some sort of body too work. Too much plane, plane uh, action? Too much plane action. And then my therapist said that I needed to get a, a massage. Uh-huh. It's called a polarity massage that integrates your masculine and feminine energy. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Let me look that up. <laughs> is, is it under bullshit? <laughs> a polarity yeah. massage? Uh-huh. Boy, they they figure out the angles, don't yeah. they? Wow. So so is everything... Is your, I haven't uh, gotten one yet, uh, but I'll report back. Are you ready for that, though? It sounds like you know they're going to integrate the I'm two sides. For, and... I'm looking for integration, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a lifelong search. So wait, what movies you shoot in Montreal? What, uh, you work a lot, huh? Uh, n- uh, no, I don't know. I <laughs> not enough. Really? Yeah, I'd like to work more. Um, I shot. I shot Ari Aster's new movie. Uh, you know, he directed Midsommar and Hereditary, mm. and he. Uh, so this was just acting, which was really nice. Yeah. 
big part? No. Did you make choices? I did make choices, yeah. <laughs> There's no s- s- small parts, only small, small. choices. <laughs> is, it, is it choices? <laughs> no, is it's actors. actors. It's actors, yeah. yeah. And uh, was it a funny movie? He describes it as a four-hour nightmare comedy, which I think it's very funny. Wow. I mean, I bet you like so many people who are listening to this are like, I'm in <laughs> four hours? It's. I think it's so brilliant. I think he's so brilliant. And I, I'm just like, yeah, I was so hyped to be part, of, part it? of it. Yeah. Is it um, weird? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's. You it's, like weird? Yeah. I yeah. love weird. Did you grow up weird? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my my. I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, Before it was Brooklyn. Yeah, in the eighties. Like back when it was like reasonably priced. Yeah, and, and my parents did they own a whole brownstone? No. And this is no. like yeah. Mm. My parents are both visual artists, and they. Just, they would, like, move into the cool neighborhoods before they were cool, but they could never afford to buy anything, so we never got the up upside of that. So they, they didn't even do the kind of, like, we're here amongst the ruins no. of making a life, but we own the block. No. Oh, God, no. No. My dad has still never owned a home, and my mom only <clears throat> bought her first home, like, in her 50s. Are they together? No. Mm. They when when did that happen? When I was nine. Early. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I, I think that's probably better, I've decided. My so parents- you think so? Well, I mean, n- probably not for the kid in the sense that, you know, it's jarring, but like my parents split up when they were, when I was like 35. And I'm really? like, wow, the whole thing was a lie. You know, but, Whoa. You know, it, it's, you can handle it as an adult, but you're just sort of like, how long was whatever, I don't know, I guess you know. That's crazy. Did they appear happy to you? No, they're terrible. Right. <laughs> Individually and together. I don't know. They're okay. all right. They, yeah. You know, they're just selfish people. That's what right. happens. So you realize like uh, your parents are like, wow, just people with problems that I grew up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> that that like revelation that your parents are human beings is just so it's, devastating. It's just the worst. Yeah. When did, when did it happen for you? Recently? Early. Early? <laughs> yeah, really early. <laughs> there was very little... Um, pretense or performance of like normalcy why because was there well they're artists so what what was the mediums my mom is a video artist you mean like namjoon paik uh kind of she's stacking tv <laughs> she doesn't stack those tvs oh. but uh hers is like a little more narrative than he's like super so perhaps a uh an installation of your mother's work would have a a podium with just an old black and white tv set on it <laughs> running <laughs> What no? No, she doesn't do she doesn't do installations. Hers is she's she yeah, her pieces were like uh many screens, one screen. One screen like she did a lot around like patriotism and propaganda. She's Canadian, so she was like very interested in Canadian. Yeah. Are you dual citizen? I am. God damn it. <laughs> get out now. Just get out. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's time. I know. I know. I think it's time. You th- you do, yeah. <laughs> you think it's now? <laughs> so you've put thought into this. I know that. Like, how do we know when when we're we're not saying uh, we can work with Hitler? How do we yeah. know when when we've come to that juncture? I yeah. Well, it got it got really scary. Yes. Uh, now it feels less scary. But but still uh, coming unraveled 
It, it's definitely yeah. less scary, but something's not holding. No, and Jews are always in danger. Always, <laughs> yeah, so always, and you know you can't. You, and the thing is, is the more you say it, the more we become annoying Jews to the people that don't like oh, us. Oh yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't. You know, you there's really not yeah, that you, many of us. You know, there's really in the big picture not that many Jews. It's funny because like I feel that although the stereotype is that Jews run Hollywood, I. I'm usually the only Jew in a cast. Is that true? I, mean, well, I don't think they're talking about the actors when they're saying the Jews run Hollywood. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, yeah. Well, but it is more corporate But it is, but it is, str- it is sort of like odd. Mm. You know? Like, uh, yeah. It's, it's just an interesting thing. Like, there, there. I guess maybe, yeah. Is there, a, is there like a dearth of Jew, Jewish actors? No, know. there used to be. I mean, Jews, I think uh, they were more popular in the 70s. Right. Like, I have this theory that once um, antidepressants became accepted and culturally uh, kind of okay, yeah. uh, the, the whole neurotic Jew shtick kind of wore out. Oh, you think so? <laughs> it's a weird theory. But there were literally, interesting. there were, well, I mean, I, I, I thought about it, it was really based on comedians, because in the 70s, there were all Jews, you know, there's some black guys and a few other ones, yeah. but there was a lot of Jews, you know, complaining about this or that. And uh, and then it, something happened in the 80s, like it, it got to, I think it Prozac. really, yeah, I think it got to the point where people are like, you know, you can, you can probably fix this, you know, <laughs> your, whatever you're going through up there. Should, yeah. Probably stop kvetching about right, yeah. Because I I feel that when I watch Richard Lewis, I'm like, still right. He's t- <laughs> I mean, I love him and he's yeah. hilarious, but yeah. and I know it's an act to a degree. Though he does, uh, he is in the moment, but it's sort of like nothing's resolved. I know, resolve nothing. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> but have you resolved anything? A few things. Oh, you have? Yeah, I it, until I spin out over a mole. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's never it's never resolved. It's just an endless sort of cycle of panic. But yeah, but I'm getting older. Dread. Oh, big. I mean, I find that like I'm not a depressive. You're not. No. Oh wow. You? Yeah, of course. Come on, for real? Yeah. Mm. Oh, that surprises you? No, it doesn't surprise me. I just I question it. I question it. Oh, you think it's like too easy? Uh, it's like a humble brag. <laughs> Yes. Like, oh, listen to the Jew lady with her, with her problems. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 But the massage didn't work, but you're going to get the polarity one. Yeah. <laughs> I think the polarity one's going to fix it. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. yeah the panic, gonna, the dread. You're going to walk out of there. You're going to walk out of there Protestant. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to rub that Jew right out of me. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Worked it all out. Yeah. Cried a little bit. Not even hungry. Um, no, because I found I find that dread, anxiety, right? Yeah. Panic, when taken to its logical um, highest pitch, yeah, just becomes something like depression. You uh, it, there's an overwhelming that happens. Yes, and then you get shut down. Right. So, but I think that's anxiety. I don't think that's depression. So you think I've I've been misdiagnosed. <laughs> Let's call him what, or her. What's, who's the doctor? Um, yeah, no. Well, well, I think I have a I have a com like a combo platter of like anxiety, overwhelm, and depression. Because there's also despair and despair. That's normal. Well, but despair can come from anxiety because you're like, well, it's all wrong. Yeah, but despair is reasonable. Well, sure. To live so, in this world without despair, you're so like if you right <laughs> yeah. or religious. Right. So, right? 
or or spiritual, which has its own problems. But I think despair is, is rational and you just have to manage it. Yeah, it's just if you can like, I struggled in quarantine as so many people did, but like climbing, climbing out of the muck of, of despair. Well, yeah, but it was like, but at, at a certain point, well, you made a movie during it. Yeah. Which I, I thought was a good movie. That's why I'm talking to you. Oh, thanks. I wouldn't have talked to you. <laughs> I, would, I, 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 I would be like, who is that? You know? Yeah. Um, so you grew up with this, like, you know, with the with the video, with the editing, yes. mom's editing. Yeah. She Do you had, have a sister? No. Brother? Uh, no. Well, I have two half sisters who are in Canada, but I was raised like as an only child in New York. So they're my dad's previous marriage. Oh, he's Canadian too? No, but he. Um, now it's getting. <laughs> he is, he left he left the states because he was um, in the army, and then he got called to Vietnam, and he went to Canada. Draft dodger. No, he was a deserter because he was in the army. Oh, better deserter. So he actually he had a crazy. Um, he has Do a crazy you think it story. saved his life? Yes, but he wanted to be an artist, and so he like asked to be stationed in New York because he thought that he could be an artist while being mm. in the military. Where was he from? Uh, California. Hmm. And then he, uh, his job was to go like knock on people's doors and tell them that their, you know, husbands or brothers or sons were dead. So his, it was a brutal, what? brutal, um, position. Jesus. Yeah. And so, I mean, it saved his life, but he had a, he had a pretty traumatic experience in the army so he just he's sitting he stayed he's sitting at a uh uh uh, army building or base in the city and they're like sort of like here's the list yeah for today yeah and then he'd have to go all over new york knocking on the doors and he got punched in the face got guns drawn on him he got i mean like they didn't want to accept it yeah yeah wow and he's an orphan so i mean talk about like an orphan yeah like his both his parents died by the time he was 14 so like then to also be delivering that news to people it's just a a wild sort of and why grief so it wasn't combat he was running from it was the daily onslaught of death announcements well no he ran from the combat because then he got called to go to vietnam oh how long did he stay in Canada? Um, he stayed there for, I think he came back, I think he came to New York like 77 or 78. So When does your mom come into the picture? They met in Vancouver in British nice Columbia. City. Yeah. Um, and uh, she came into the picture. In After like, he had the other two kids? Yeah. Hmm. So he had, uh, yeah. And then she moved to New York and he moved with her. And is he still underground? Should we do we have to vet this? <laughs> is, you, no, he's not underground. Has he been has he been uh, vindicated or what's the word? Or the pro Well, so Carter pardoned all the draft dodgers. Oh. But he didn't pardon the deserters. And my mom likes to believe that it was her. She wrote a letter and was like, You're gonna pardon the people who didn't even serve, you should pardon the people who served. Mm. And then he did. I don't think it was my mom's letter that did it, but we can sure let's Why say not? that it was. Yeah. Are, uh, and and is that uh is is all this captured on a video art piece? <laughs> no, she never made a story about his. He wrote a screenplay about it that I think got optioned in the seventies, but then nothing ever came of it. it. Sounds like a good seventies movie. Yeah, totally. Where, where like he just uh, walks around telling people their family members are dead. Yeah, and then uh, he he just it, the end is just him, you know, uh, getting off the plane in Canada. Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah, yeah, it writes itself.
in 1972. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that would that would have been a studio movie in 1972. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So it's, then they met, and then so he does. He's like a conceptual photographer. So he did a lot of like photograms and shit. Do you know what that is? Oh, like, I maybe. It's like like um, projecting light through lenses onto photographic paper, rather than like snap and shoot. Projecting right, I get it. So yeah. like, uh, but is it abstract? Yeah. Oh, okay. Super so abstract. it's not. It's not like um, I get it. So it's not. It's it's just sort of an extension of like when you kind of like put a comb and a and a pliers and and some other thing on a, yes. piece, a piece of photographic paper and then you expose it for a second and then you develop it and you're like look a man ray right exactly <laughs> so it's different than that but well, similar was similar it, technique was yeah it color uh he did he used some color paper he also he did a lot of like collage work and then him and my mom collaborated on really cool stuff in the 70s too yeah but then they their relationship ended was it because of uh, an argument over uh, an abstract over, piece? Over photograms. <laughs> um, no. So all that went on before you were even born. So now it's just, it's just stories you hear. Which which part? The like their collaboration, the the yes. bulk of their yeah. of the this well because you weren't you weren't born. You were born later, right? Yeah, yeah. I hear all those stories now, um, and of course I've always been like very interested in their yeah dissolution. My dad moved down the block, and I, I did a crazy thing when they split up, which was, I think I was, like, worried about him. You lived in the street? <laughs> well, I decided to spend every other night with him, which is, like, a really... But you just walked down there? I did, but it, it was, like, yeah, it was just a, a strange... It is weird. Yeah. Did he appreciate it? I'm not sure. I think I was just, like, I sort of went into, like, parent mode. Like, I was worried about him. Well, yeah, well, this sort of like, is this where it starts then? The uh, you yes. know, the obsession with the codependency business? 100%. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Didn't you do like, isn't most of your work about that? Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lifelong, <laughs> lifelong investigation but of codependency. The... So, uh, boundaries? No. <laughs> hard, hard no. <laughs> No, uh, very bad at those. Mm. Um, but they weren't alcoholics. No, Mm-mm. but they were just uh, you know profoundly selfish people. Or no, I mean mm. they're they're wonderful people. I mean, I believe like we're all addicts, even if it's not whatever it is. <laughs> you know, um, no, they're they're great. I just um, yeah, I'm just fucked up. You know, like we all are. <laughs> Parents fuck up their kids. <laughs> they're the worst. There's just no way not to. Which is I think why I've is that always. True? Well, that's why I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around having kids. I don't have any. I'm 57. I'm yeah. proud. And I never I never think about it. Yeah. It's like, I just don't know how you don't fuck them up. Well, th- but there's th- it's no time for children now. Well, it's now, over. God, no. I mean, I've never been like super into marriage or... Um, but you did it. I did it. We we recently separated, but I I did get married. Um, I've done that twice. Oh yeah, and no kids. High five. <laughs> two, two wives, no children. That takes well, a certain. That is. That takes a certain type, type of asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my second wife 
and I do this on stage, unfortunately. I think my 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 second wife uh, put it like this: "You think I'm bringing children into this?" Um, so. Did, but they wanted your your wives wanted. I think the first one w- w- wanted okay. it, but I was too sort of like I don't. I'm too self-involved and panicky and and prone to anger at times. Yeah. Less now. Yeah. I just it, I never. I just didn't do it, and I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm sorry you got separated. Thank you. Mm. No, it's good. We we spent. I mean, it was like a 17-year relationship. So I oh, feel like my God. That's something to celebrate. Like, we, we did that. That's cool, you know? <laughs> that's like... Just that, and that was the only person? You didn't well, take breaks? Well, we, mm. we did, we sort of went, um, we went in and out of open, of an, of an open okay, relationship. It's no good. Huh? It's no good. Yeah. Is that's it? why I have so much indigestion. <laughs> hey, how can someone with anxiety and no boundaries even begin to think like, this is a good idea. Why don't you just go fuck other people? I mean, what do you... Well, my so my mom's friends who I was like raised around are polyamorous. Mm-hmm. And so I was like raised around a lot of this ideology uh, like that, like non-monogamy is something to like contend with, you know? Um, it's not something to scoff at. But... Then yeah, I think in practice it's then really. How, how do you difficult. engage your like you know your jealous possessive part? Oh, it's it's constantly engaged. <laughs> yeah, it's a muscle that is. I'm just saying that's the thing about polyamorous is like I don't know if those people are well grounded or absolutely totally untethered, and like I don't know like what I don't quite understand relationships. I'm not great at them. Right. But the idea that like you know so how what'd you do this afternoon? I was with Joe. You know, yeah. What, Joe, oh, right. The guy you fuck on Thursdays. Right. I mean, how is that? How do you just be like, well, what are we eating? You know, I don't understand that. I will say that <laughs> when it comes back to integration, the integration of when your partner comes back from fu- fucking somebody else into the home mm. is that it, that is a... That's a tough day. I, I always had a hard time with it, you know. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah, it never got easier. Uh, um, I don't think that's unusual. I, I maybe we're just uh, maybe I'm not advanced enough. I don't. Know. I don't think it's an advanced thing. I I think it is like a. I don't. I think it's hard to shift the programming, even for like hardcore veteran polyamorists. You know, like I think there's still there's, it's it's impossible not to be jealous or. Possessive. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't. I, I don't know what the the long term of that is. I don't know what that looks like. You know what I mean? And like a lot of times, like, I, but I don't want to. Excuse me. If I, you know, if I start commenting on this, yeah, uh, then then They're the gonna emails are going to come, come after you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't care if a bunch of swingers come after me. <laughs> what do I, it's like that's you not, don't understand. That's not your niche. Yeah, I mean, but audience. It, but they're probably going to get mad. I call them swingers. That's some sort of like dated term. It is dated. Of yeah. course, I know. Well, but I, I feel Doing like this, it on purpose. The, <laughs> the new, this new generation who I'm kind of obsessed with. Oh, the fluid people. Yes, who are also they're also like. I mean, they're all just as anxious as we are, maybe we more so because they were raised with like phones and Instagram. And we stuff. don't know how it's going to pan out for those people. You know, no. we're we're fortunate and you're younger than me that you've got, you know, uh, at least, you're, you know, you're kind of rooted in kind of some sort of strange uh, narcissistic 70s artistic ideology, uh-huh. you know, as opposed yeah. to just having these passive parents who are upper middle class with jobs you don't understand that just, you know, <laughs> let you be brought up by the Internet. Right. You know, I don't know where that goes. I don't either. I, I mean, yeah, Instagram is like, I, I'm like, uh, it's amazing and it's terrible. 
the Instagram, I, I don't have a Facebook page. Twitter, I just, I go in and out with. Sometimes I'll just, yeah. I, but it's, it hurts me all the time. It Instagram's does. the most easy one. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit and do a fucking two-hour live Instagram. You And will. I don't give a fuck. And that helps you just, like, release shit? I don't know. During I got into the habit of it during the pandemic to engage with people. Yeah. You know, because my girlfriend died yeah. and I was alone. Yeah. And I was trying to figure how, you know, what do I do with that? And how do I, am I going to do comedy anymore? The weirdest thing about that time was, like, I never, th- I ne- I never miss stand-up. Like and I, and, and if that you'll understand this. That the thought I had was like, maybe I'm all better. You know, not like <laughs> maybe, maybe I don't need to lean on those strangers. Yeah. But as soon as people started doing it again, I'm like, fuck, game on. I guess because of FOMO, because of com- kinda, competition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but also it's healthy what I do. Competition. It's not healthy. I'm terrible. I, I judge myself against people all the time. And and do I'm you get like, mad at other I'm people's too old. successes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. don't you? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding? Shit, we're fucked. <laughs> Get out of here. I know. I want what they have. <laughs> yeah, but do, do we though? Yeah, I mean, sometimes right. you, uh, the only way I can wrap, or, you don't though. You know what I mean? I don't. Some, I don't think so. Oh. When you, I see who your friends are. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know what's going on with them, really. Well, you that's know the what thing. I mean? like, and, and I will say, like, the, the, the pandemic was interesting because, like, the breakups that I witnessed happening, which is like what always happens. But when when like couples break up who you've been like double dating with or who you at yeah. least like look at from afar as like they've got it figured out. It's always it's a good it's a good lesson. That they, nobody has it figured out. If you really look at what they have and who likes them and, you know, like if with comics, like yeah. if I if I judge myself against a more successful comic, I look at their fans like I can walk down the hall in the comedy store. And, you know, I love Bill Burr. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. We're different in the way we approach it. And he was doing some main room shows. And like I'll get jealous of him because he's huge. And I, I have my audience and I do fine. I make a living. But there's these guys that are really huge. Is Bill Burr more famous than you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a comic, really? he sells more tickets. Yeah. Oh. So, so uh, it's probably more famous. It, it's all tribal. In my now. world, it's all... you're more famous than him. If that makes any difference. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. But so I walk down the hall and I look in the main room where he's running his hour, and I just look at the front row, stage right, you know, and I see a dude there, and I'm like, I don't want that dude. I got nothing for that. Dude. Yeah. Got nothing for them. Yeah. And like, I, I wouldn't know how to talk to him yeah. if we. I could be polite. And maybe sort of like, uh, you know, are you in line? Yeah, but that's as far as that goes. <laughs> are you in line? <laughs> that's the depth of the connection. Yeah. yeah. So that I, I don't know if that's helpful, but consider <laughs> who you're jealous of and right. do you want their right. life? Right. I mean, huh? yeah. <laughs> so Okay, so you've got I'm a good I'm not trying list. to get Bill Burr's life, but there's some others <laughs> Well, I, that's just an audience thing. And, I, and, and Bill's like, you know, he's, but he's having some revelations about yeah. himself. It's very nice. Oh, good. So um, when do you start doing things? Um, well, I went to NYU. I graduated. Film? Uh, acting, which is where I met my, my ex-husband, who I will just say, we are still best friends and, and collaborators. And we made, made this movie We together. made How It Ends Together, and he's an You've made a few person. movies together. We made a number of movies. And that was really my start, was that we started making movies together. Um, At NYU. Short no, films. after ah. no, after NYU, we entered into an open relationship right like away. About two years into our relationship, yeah. but we were young. You know, we met sure. when we were like twenty. Okay, so um, that's where you. Okay, and so and then our first film was about our open relationship. It's called Breaking Upwards, and uh, we basically played versions of ourselves telling that story, um, and then that 
like opened a lot of doors for us. So then we went on to make like a number of other features together. Yeah, they did the band one. Well, the band. So Daryl and I made three features, narrative features together, and then I went on to last do, name for the people. Daryl Wine. There you go. Um, director extraordinaire, mm. well, fabulous yeah, person. <laughs> Come on, it's about you. Okay, fine. Um, uh, I went on to direct my first feature because he directed all of those films. We mm. like co-wrote them and co-produced yeah. them, and I acted right. in them. Yeah. Uh, and so Band Aid was my my directorial debut, right? Uh, which was with yeah Adam, Adam Pally Pal- and, yeah, and Pally. Fred Armisen, and that was my like coming out party mm. Band Aid <laughs> as a director. Yeah. And it was really fun. And I hired a crew made up of entirely women, which was also That's really uh, cool and fun. And That's the right thing to do. Yeah, it was amazing because it. Um, it was just a, it was an amazing social experiment, an artistic experiment. And how the, how did it do? How was it received? Did, what did it uh, what did it bring to you? Uh, it was received very well. It premiered at Sundance in competition, which was really exciting. Mm. So I got like that was a bucket list thing to play the Eccles Theater at Sundance. Wow, was really cool. And um, and then yeah, it opened it opened a lot of doors. So then I went on to direct my second feature, which was a remake of The Craft. Which is that nineties? Yeah, I saw witch, that. Like, yeah, and you, movie. why? Why that? Um, they came to me and asked if I wanted to pitch on it, and um, you know, it's like a feminist horror, basically. Mm. And uh, I did want to pitch on it because it was like a, a pretty seminal, like, cult film in my coming oh, of age. Oh years. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so then I pitched on it. And I got the gig, and I wrote it and directed it, and went and made that. It was, you know, how that do. Uh, not as well. <laughs> Why? What do you think went wrong? Um, I think Band-Aid I made entirely independently. Mm. Um, and uh, and that was a studio picture, which I think is always just a more difficult process. You know, it's like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I think because I was like servicing a legacy like of the craft which right. I like had you know there were a lot of there were just a you lot just, of it's so funny because like you know in the world of directors wanting to you know sort of you know carrying the burden of honoring a legacy yeah that one's kind of you know you never win yeah but it, but it's like usually it's because like I don't want to you know make something you know like the other one was such a masterpiece right and but for the craft I mean that was the thing there was room who was really going to judge you Right. Well, I guess horror fans. They must, it has oh, crazy fans. That's right. Fans. It's, like, that's the worst. They're full of nerds, and they're, they're yeah, they and they're out. It. They're out for blood. <laughs> and did they did they come after you? No. You know, I think. Um, listen, this is my this as a screenwriter, mm. not to brag. <laughs> um, no, that that was that was my only brag. That that's what I call myself. Um, as a screenwriter, I feel like the third act is just it's so fucking hard to get right, and I think that that's where the movie struggled was its third act and and i'm incredibly proud of it like i i still think it's a really special movie um but yeah like i don't know any director who's ever like happy with like entirely happy with their film because it's always just being ripped from you in the edit you know right. <laughs> to like right. and this one was particularly wild like i i was told that it was coming out like a month before it it d- came out so i had to finish it really fucking quickly mm. Because they wanted to get it out for Halloween during the pandemic. Um, but, but what's good is like something like that. I would imagine like doesn't really stick to you. Yeah, and then I think it was helpful that I went and made. 
I think I think like it was great because I got to make like a studio movie, yeah. and as a woman, that's also like not a thing that happens. And you will make more. Yeah, so that was really think. cool. Don't you think? I hope so. Yeah. Do you? Because I I know Lynn like you know her experience with uh, studio movies was sort of like I'm never doing that again. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm wrangle some money together and shoot this out in two months or yeah. six weeks. She had had such a cool career, and I'm so sorry Thanks. for your loss. She I never met her, but um. I always watched her from afar, and my mom is actually friends with Tanya, her sister, because she's like oh in Brooklyn with the restaurant, super fine all yeah. the time. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like it's like golden handcuffs, you know. Like mm. I don't want to put it into the universe that I don't want to make a big movie cause because I think I it's... get all the money and the resources. Yeah, and you, and you might as well throw your hat in the ring and see if you can pull it off. Yeah, but I like. I mean, how it ends was like a really. I made that right after the craft, and that was a really nice like reset because that was super gorilla. Oh, so the craft just came out. Yeah, last year or yeah, twenty twenty. Mm. And how it ends, but like I just want to make sh- make sure everyone knows that you act a lot. Yeah. And you like you know you had some pretty harrowing roles. <laughs> like what? Two seasons of Whitney. <laughs> I say that with love. Uh, I know, I, I've known I know. her forever. You guys yeah. are homies. No, I do love Whitney. She's, I actually do love she's her. She's amazing. And yeah. I had been, even though I was like, you know, still young, I had been like auditioning for so long and couldn't fucking catch a break in the TV world. And she gave me that break. And I'm so grateful to her. Yeah. Um, like I bought my first house because of Whitney. So that's. Where do you, where was that? It, it, it's where I still live. But oh. Whitney, it was really funny. I went in and auditioned for her and I sat down and she said why aren't you famous yeah and I was like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to answer that question um and then she really you know she fought for me and it takes people fighting for you in this industry yeah to get shit and you know before that was Glazer Glazer (laughs) so I was 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 already funny show that was really funny delocated yeah yeah and it has a real cult following does it still yeah I love the two Johns John Benjamin John Glazer yeah too funny. Oh, they're, they're so, so funny, funny and so specific yeah. and uh, so set in their ways. Yes, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel bad talking shit about the craft legacy because it is, you know, it's wow. like this. It's a thing. This is a thing. You didn't though. I know, but I did. I did kind of. Well, <laughs> you haven't even seen it. I mean, I think it's like such. I, the film after Breaking Upwards was a Fox Searchlight movie that Daryl and I made together that was critically like not well reviewed. Yeah, starring Greta Gerwig, and um, which one was that? It's called Lola Versus, and it's funny. Like we've had this discussion of like when people ask about it, uh, my first instinct is yeah. to go, "Oh yeah, like don't watch it." You know, even no, though right. I th- I'm proud of it in many ways, but there's like the self-protective mechanism that comes in to go like, you're going to look at the Rotten Tomatoes score and then you're going to judge me. Right. Which also like, fuck Rotten Tomatoes. But um, You know what's weird about me? I don't even ever look at it. You don't? No. I don't know what the fuck people are looking at. I don't know where people find the time. I don't <laughs> like, I, like, I, I, what is, I don't, I don't check anything. If somebody I respect says, maybe you ought to watch this. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. Or this looks interesting. I don't go to... But this is the problem, is that now the Rotten Tomatoes score is on the iTunes when you press... So just when you pull it up, even if you're not seeking it out... I don't pay attention to it. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Anyway, the the craft did... I think it did well uh, otherwise. It just... The the critics, you know, they had problems with the third act, which is like, fine. Third act's hard. 
Third Act's hard. What are you going to do? It's an amazing cast. It's an amazing cast of like incredible young women, and it. It's. I, I think it's a, an important story to tell. So that was something go. that was easier in the seventies. The third act. Yeah. yeah oh, just yeah. don't end it. Didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let the guy just go off yeah. on a bus. Once antidepressants <laughs> came into town, third acts was skyrocketed. They were everything. People wanted closure. <laughs> they wanted a button. Yeah. So the new movie. Let's uh, let's figure that out. I the reason I liked it was because I you know when I looked you up. And I was like, what is this person? What and is this person? Yeah, like, what does she do? Right. And then I'm like, oh, she's one of those, uh, knows all the cool kids. And, <laughs> like, I could tell from the movie, I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, okay. yeah. She called him, too. Yeah. Oh, there's, what's his name? Yeah. So, uh, like, I, the reason I liked it is it, it kind of like the conceit of it is, is what it is, but it's sort of like this weird, it is an art film, yeah. I've decided. Oh, thank you. Did you decide that? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> like, you know, like bonafide. It's like, a, uh, like it's not, you're not, it, it's a poetry piece. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah it, uh, I think because like the development process on the craft was like so intense. Yeah. It was really nice to like, I don't know, open up, <clears throat> I, I don't know, the process to like allow for it to be whatever it wanted yeah. to be, to yeah. be like more fluid and poetic in that yeah. way I guess because I didn't have to be like hitting like and then the climax happens and then yeah. the denouement and then you know well that, I mean that's but what I, I liked about it yeah it, it was so funny because I, I, I'm thinking like man she really did this on a budget and you know I, I guess the only expense was stopping traffic but it turns out there, <laughs> there was, was no a... traffic <laughs> yeah I was just sort of like, all they paid for was to, you know, to have people at the end of the streets to yeah. stop the cars. No. But it was the middle of the fucking yeah. thing. No, we had a crew of three people. There was nobody stop stop traffic. <laughs> There's just no cars around. Yeah. I mean, we would hold for like a scattered few cars. I talked but... to Helen Hunt about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah, she is. Um, Yeah, no, it was amazing. I mean, and that was like part of, I think, our intention in making it was to sort of like serve as a time capsule for this totally surreal moment on the streets of LA that it looked it was so apocalyptic you know yeah inherently that we were like let's get out there and shoot it and also i found it to be like one of those movies where like it's like the journey of it like the you know that that every there's a someone else just used an asteroid hanging in the sky really exactly like your asteroid what do you mean in a movie yep but no in a series really yep joseph gordon levitt and mr coleman the oh, new series uh, is it good yeah, yeah, it's it, but it's not. It's his. It's a manifestation of his anxiety. But it's, oh. it looks like the same effect. Really, like the exact That's so funny. same effect. Well, and then like Adam McKay, his new movie, I think is also. I don't know if it's an asteroid, but something's like going to hit the Earth. I guess we all. It's funny. It's like we we made um, Breaking Upwards, and then like Katie. A Katie Asselton made a movie about an open relationship. There are a bunch of like open relationship movies. Oh at no, the same that happens time. all the time. You can't I feel it. like it's funny. Like there's something why. that happens in the. I don't know ether. The, yeah, the, zeit, the, collective, the collective unconscious. Unconscious. The, yeah. yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, I don't know why that is. It makes you wonder about things. You know what I mean? It's like, well, is that a coincidence? What's going on? Are yeah. we all part of one mind? I, I should say the name of the movie. Oh. How it ends is what we're talking about currently on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks. So, but but like each point, uh, like how did you when you scripted it? So the idea is like you had a time that the world was going to end and everyone knew it. And this was the day of. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the intention was like, I was. I think we were both obviously, as the world was trying to process what the fuck was going on um, with the pandemic and with quarantine and being like trapped. But it was this like, I think the dichotomy of being in this apocalyptic like nightmare, mm. but also just like being in sweatpants and watching Netflix every day yeah. was so like wild, you know? Right. And so I liked the idea. We hadn't seen like an apocalyptic comedy that wasn't like mayhem, violence, like, like that zombie. One, uh, that Seth, Seth and, did, yeah. What was it called? So good. Um, Similar title, right? What is it called? With Which Satan is so and everything. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's madness yeah, no, it's, out yeah. on those streets. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so this was like, what, what would it, like... There was a certain point, I mean, we're sort of still in it, where we were just like resigned to this new normal. Well, well but, and also it's interesting how this culture comforts itself. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, you know, bread and, uh, yeah, and watching things. <laughs> People were baking. A lot of sourdough, I just, like, yeah. Well, I just love that, like, as that started to wear off, like, everybody was sort of excited. It's like, well, we're going to do things during, and then, like, three months in, they're like, oh, get me out of here. I don't want to fucking even <laughs> look know. at my children. I didn't know, no bread is going to stop this from, yeah. I was so grateful not to have children in the pandemic. Oh, my God. Oh, God. The journey of those people. I know. Um, but so, yeah, so so you thought that the, the the disconnect was interesting. Yeah. And and so, like, what would it look like if, like, we had all been preparing for the end of the world, which we kind of were doing so that on the last day, I mean, not the end of the world, but you know what I mean? On the last day that people were resigned sure. to it and sort of it was just a more introspective, self-reflective mm-hmm. energy. And what would that look like? And, and so we started to explore that. And also we were trying to shoot everything outdoors and six feet apart. So it worked to sort of have like a walk right. and talk journey. Right. With your, well, the device of your younger self. Yeah. What's that girl's name? Kelly Spaney. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. amazing. She's That's also cool. the star of The Craft. Oh, she is. And didn't, I see, didn't I see her in something else recently? Mare of Easttown. Yes. She's. Yeah, yeah. she's great in that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. She goes bye-bye. Oh yeah. yeah, right away. So but, quick. Yeah, it's yeah. all <laughs> so quick. But goes by. but but, uh, but she's the the heart of the whole story. Yeah, and she's amazing. She's we worked on the craft together, and like I fell in love with her, and then I was like, "Do you want to make a weird little?" Movie well, see, now? that's right there. Like you know, how does that you know how does that continue to work? Like that's what I think sort of establishes it as a meditation on something, right? Yeah, and as an art film, is that you know, all right, this is. This is her younger self, and that's okay. Yeah, we're just gonna. <laughs> yeah, gonna, we're gonna walk with them through yeah. Silver Lake, I guess, for two hours. Yeah, right? yeah that's the log line. Um. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna it's, go gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be huge. Um, yeah. Well, also because, like, I mean, I was doing a lot of inner child work with my therapist. You were, yes. And my mom had sent me. Um, what does that look like? It's like figuring out how to talk to your inner child because it's the inner that child. Asshole? Yeah. <laughs> because it's the inner child that's like so anxious. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Like, right. I feel like those, it doesn't feel safe. The overwhelm that we feel is yeah. like actually our chi- inner oh, child. Shit, man. I know. Yeah. So it's like, how do we speak to that person and like reparent? No, I get that. No, I, 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 uh, I've, I've applied some of that. It's hard. It's so hard. Did you ever read the fantasy bond? No, what's that? Do I have to read it? I don't know. It's just if it's changed my mind about you know why I am like I am, and I, like lately, what I've realized about the inner child thing outside of the fantasy bond, which I'll explain to you later, 
I've heard, I've just, I can't sell any more of his books. <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind it, but it's like, I've explained it He's not it a sponsor. No, no, I've, I, I've, Dr. Firestone. Okay. <laughs> Robert Firestone. No one knows this book, and I think it's like one of these Rosetta Stones. Of really? Whatever, of contextualizing a certain type of uh, uh, emotional disfigurement. <laughs> I have to read it. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, I used to be this way about the denial of death, the Ernest Becker book about transference. Never about, read that. Well, yeah, it, it, but I, I just get locked on these things that re, that reconfigure how I see something. Yeah, because these are just, they're just, uh, you know, they're just uh, framing templates. devices. Yeah, yeah, that's all, all of it. What's happening to me though is like knowing, like I, can, like I'm trying to be like, what about the good times, man? And I look back and I'm like, not too many. Are there any? You know? And then really? I'm like, what? well, well, th- let me explain why. Uh. Like if you feel uncomfortable or socially awkward or or you know uh, stressed, like how is any part of your life going to be anything other than panic and embarrassment? So like all the sort of sign, like any time that I had a good thing happen, yeah, the panic leading up to it, yeah, that the only the, the good time equates to like God got through it, one hundred percent, right? I know I've been dealing with that so much lately where I'm like. I'm just waiting for the thing to be over, even right. if the thing is something that I'm excited about. Right. Because it's causing me so much anxiety. Yeah. And I try to go like, no, live in the thing. Right. Or even any victory, yeah. any small victory. Yeah. You can't celebrate it because if you celebrate it, then it all gets taken away. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. Just okay. Yeah. But it's great. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. We did it. No, it's yeah. Like, it's behind us. It's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was very disturbing to me that like all the memories are traumatic because you just didn't feel good about yourself. I know. What do we do? <laughs> We're not that person anymore. There is self-acceptance now. We have d- achieved things. Yeah. We have uh, somehow, despite our anxiety and our weirdness, uh, have our ambitions have compelled us to accomplish things and there are things we want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is possible to sort of Enjoy them. I think it's possible to enjoy the process. I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. It's just that there's so much anxiety, but it's like how to not have anxiety in this world is an impossibility. So, but like all we got is this, like, I know. like, and as things become more um, tribal and more sort of like uh, insulated, everyone's got their own little world. Um, you might as well enjoy that because it yeah. doesn't matter to the rest of it. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I just want to be partying. <laughs> right. <laughs> because what, it's like... But what does that look like? Well, my therapist says that I need a, a, I need to embrace play. <laughs> There's That's the, that's the next one-person show. <laughs> Embracing play. Embracing play. Maybe that's your TED Talk. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be me, like, doing drugs on stage. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got enough oh, for everybody. Is this mic working? <laughs> um, That's like my that. drug this, guy voice. This mic was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the audience can't see it. But All my drug characters talk like that. Hey, man. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. There's an old story about a guy, about a road comic. Uh, it's, sometimes it's attributed to John Fox, who's dead, or Teddy Bergeron, who's alive, where uh, he's on stage at some club. And uh, he'd been doing blow, like who knows how much, you know, and uh, and his nose just started bleeding in the middle of his set, and he didn't really notice it, and, but the audience was like, what? And then he, he realized it, and he, he just, without missing a beat, looks at the audience like, what, doesn't anyone party anymore? 
Oh, that's so good. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, Fuck man. you, people. That's I'm so living it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be my. That's my 2021 uh, sort of careful. like through line. No, not cocaine. Just what doesn't anyone party anymore? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, like last summer I went to New York, and there oh. were these like outdoor masked dance parties on the street. Are you a dance party person? Yes. Love to dance. And you do it? Yeah. So that's nice? So nice. That's not one of the things you're like, you know, just getting through it? No. But that was like me being like, oh, this is living. I brought my mom, who's incredible. Do you like LCD sound system? Yeah. Okay, good. Why? I just want to know if you're one of those people. Yeah. Did the key get taken away? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Generational (laughs) thing. You don't like LCD sounds as well? They're okay. I interviewed him recently, and I, oh, yeah. I really dug in, and I get it. I get it. Yeah. I understand why. It's just, I missed it. Oh, it's really? It's not a matter of me not liking it. That was like prime. Like, I was at, at NYU right. from 2000, 2004. Right. So it was like Strokes, Yeah, 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 LCD yeah. Sound System, Rapture, all those bands. Did you read that, that book by Lizzie Goodman? Yeah, so okay. good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that book. I was so obsessed with this Yeah, strokes. like, I had that, that book, like, it's, like, not my time at all. Reading that book is sort of like, what was, I was around. <laughs> How did I miss all of this? So you were in New York then? What year? 2000, 2004. Yeah. Or no, I just left. Right. Well, that's why you missed it. But I mean, I was still like doing, but I was so locked into comedy. Right. I moved out here in 2002 after 9-11 with a woman and because she, she didn't, she freaked out and we had to get out. And so that I was here in 2002. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. She was downtown uh, uh, and got out of the train, the raining ash. No. Yeah. I was sleeping. Yeah, I got up and I looked at. I opened up my AOL homepage to one tower, and I'm like, "This is not April Fools." And yeah. I'm like, "What?" And then I was on my roof in Astoria, yeah, watching it. Yeah. yeah, so being in New York for that, I feel similar. The the coming out of the pandemic, the the anxiety, the weird sort of de- destabilized environment. Yeah, although it's like New York, obviously, is so such an amazing place in terms of like coming out of things like that. Where mm. I I felt like. I feel like even now New York post yeah. not post pandemic but wherever we are now in right. is like it's alive I, mean, I have to go back I, I'm, I'm dying to go because I'm working on a thing with my friend Sam Lipsite and uh, uh, and we're writing And but I just want an excuse to go back I'm doing the New York Comedy Festival if this melanoma under my nail oh, doesn't you know if <laughs> I don't lose the, the top of my finger <laughs> I might have to lose the top of my finger that's okay yeah I think what it do is you, need you lose pieces as you get older yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's the that's the life you got. <laughs> Just taking pieces off. Um, when is it? It's in November. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't know what date. So I'm going to Patty Lupone's house for um, Thanksgiving. If you want to come, <laughs> really? That's exciting. My mother's trying to get me to Florida. Oh no! Mm. Don't go there. Hmm. What? How, how? Why are you going? Where's Patty Lupone live? Well, she she's um I think like by Central Park. Oh. She's in. She was in the Ari Aster movie, and we got really close in a short amount of time and now I just want to spend every waking moment with her yeah so you dance so you dance at the the masked what was it where were you yeah at the well it was a it was this street in um Mm. in Fort Greene that they shut down it it started with um uh like uh, you know when people started banging pots for uh, essential workers Uh at a certain time every night and they started turning their speakers out and then it just became this like dance party every night so every night from five to seven I would go. Well, that's good. It was so fun. That's nice. It's an early curfew. You know, yeah. you get it out of your system. Yeah. And I was saying, I brought my mom and she wept because it was, it was like, oh my God. Communal. Yeah. Just mm. like be around people. Yeah. Then they would play like MLK speeches at the end. It was cool. 
with a beat or yeah there'd be like beats behind it yeah yeah it felt like a new york of yore that i wasn't therefore that i've always like of course been nostalgic for. well that's what yeah new york's amazing with that with community sense yeah. the sense of community and the way people uh, coexist and take yeah. care of each other it's it's there's no place like it no. and it always annoys me having lived there for so long you know when people judge it as just sort of like well new york's a k like the midwestern view of new york it's like you don't even fucking know yeah <laughs> The only time you see your friends is at church. We're up each other's ass every fucking day. In this yeah. We're smelling each other's sweat yeah. every day. Yeah. You got strangers touching you. Yeah. And we love it. Yeah. We're inviting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the best city on earth. I never thought that I would live here, but here I am. It's okay here if you have a nice house. It's nice. Um, so... The movie, like, did you, how tight was the writing in in terms of deciding what each person or stop meant? I would say, like, half of the scenes were very tightly written. Yeah. And then the other half were outlined and we were improvising off of a structured outline. So, like, the scene with Helen and mm. with Bradley Whitford yeah. and with all of my scenes with Kaylee, those were all written. Because I think that was really important right. to, to get that shit right. Right. But then the scenes that were more, like, just comedic and like fun sort of so uh, Whitney was bursts. just improvising Whitney was, <laughs> was definitely improvising we went to her house and uh and she found that's where that the party was that the party wasn't at her house yeah um her house too nice to invite that many people to. yeah um but like she had that like weird bubble oh yeah yeah and yeah. she was like I'll just put this on my body and roll down the street in COVID and we we're like mm, okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but she's down for yeah yeah whatever and then you, you got Polly to she got Polly chime in uh, I so she improvised in like the opening when she's like on the phone mm. she improvised that Polly Shore was gonna be at the party right. and then I was like do you think you could actually get Polly Shore to come oh, to the party it's and she was like easy. <laughs> she was like not a problem. <laughs> And Polly showed up, had no idea where he was or yeah. what he was doing, but was so Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay. What's your name? Yeah. yeah. He was just excited to be yeah. like close to I've Whitney. grown to like Polly. Yeah. He seems like a... Like I, I've known him since he, like, you know, when I was a doorman at the comedy store. But like as he gets older, there's... And he, he he's on to himself. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. And it's it's just sort of... He's, He's just like the last time I saw him. I was like, dude, I moved to Vegas. Yeah. It's so good. You can no. get good food no. every night. <laughs> and But like all the women are prostitutes, like all of them. So it's hard to date. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I just oh, like the idea boy. that like, he, like he's got money saved. Yeah. And he, like because he did real estate and the movies and, you know, they now he's out of uh, the store. They bought him out of that. And he's just sort of like, I can get, because I don't like Vegas, but if you just want to eat good food every night, you probably can, right? And Sounds you can like do a shows. No, I, I guess so. I, I don't know, but his his old man lived there for years. So I, oh. I think it's just, you know, something you either think is like, this is great. If you have money, this is great. And yeah. you don't gamble. Right. Go to shows, whatever. I guess. I don't, I never go there. Yeah. Don't look at me like I'm saying I'm promoting something. No. Yeah. I never go there. Because it makes me feel corrosive. Very, yeah. Like it's corrosive Toxic. and weird. Yeah. Yeah. And just like the, like when you're in one of those rooms at a big hotel with no VIP treatment, it's sort of like, this is horrendous. Yeah. I can't even imagine doing that shit. I just, just being a a hotel guest is like yeah. a hellscape. In general? 
No, no, just in, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just I love not. being a hotel guest in general. <laughs> I, do, I really like it these days. It's just sort of like, I don't have to do anything. Yet. Yeah, Min- minimal effort. I'm, go- I'm going away tomorrow. Where are you going? Salt Lake City. Why? I'm going to be a Mormon. Oh. You're going to what? Be a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to do comedy. Right. I'm going to do comedy for the Jack Mormons. What are Jack Mormons? Ones that are over it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that an actual term? Mm-hmm. Let me look it up. <laughs> no. I'm gonna. Jack Mormon, a Mormon who is not strictly observant. Wow. Yeah. It's like a modern Orthodox. Yeah, or a sympathetic non-Mormon living among Mormons. That's tricky. Sympathetic non-Mormon. That's gonna be you. Well, that's everyone who lives in Salt Lake right. City for whatever reason, other than being Mormon. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not all sympathetic. They kind of got to be. They, after be, they run the place. Yeah. You know, you can't walk around. I've going, never been. Fuck these Mormons because yeah, they're everywhere. I guess so. <laughs> This weird, you know, it's okay place to work, but like I, I made my shows Vax only, and and that was the only place where there was like significant refunds. You know, really? Back. Yeah, it was Utah. Oh my god! It'll be fine though. Yeah, it'll be fine. No, there's there's enough. I sold enough. It'll be. Fine. I'm trying to work on an hour, so I'm doing club work. I'm not doing the right. theaters because I'm a theater act lady. I'm yeah. like, I don't fuck around. <laughs> I'm gonna t- there's like some cities I can sell like twelve hundred tickets. You just called me 19- lady. Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so, are we done? It's <laughs> your show. <laughs> I don't know. I think I feel like we covered a lot. Thank you for coming over, and uh, I enjoyed the movie, and I, I hope uh, people like it. Thank you. Where's, is it opening in movie theaters? It is in movie theaters, but it's also on iTunes and Amazon. Get it anywhere? Get it anywhere. How much did it cost you to make it? I don't 40? those things. You do. Did you Never. just use a camera you had at your house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> use your phone? Did you use your phone? No, but that's an option. Mm. Um, but it didn't cost a lot of money. And yeah, it was yeah, 80 sorry. to 100 okay. million. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where? Million dollars, yeah. For the asteroid effect? That was it wasn't for the like... effect. And also my fees. Okay. Oh, yeah. so you did well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And you really kind of you know rake some fucking investors over the coals. Yeah. Good for you. Me and Paulie's fees. <laughs> <laughs> Paulie. Very high. His rider is crazy. <laughs> is it? It can't yeah. be. Are you going to pick me up? <laughs> Am I going to ride over with you, Whitney? <laughs> All right. Nice talking. Nice I'll show you. Let's too. go talk about the fantasy okay. bond. Okay, great. Joey Lister-Jones, funny, charming, talented. Should I put that first? Talented, powerful, works hard, does good work. Charming, funny. There you go. Is that properly ordered? Here's some Telecaster for you. Japanese Telecaster for you. With some echo and some bouncy bounce. Some tremolo. Thank you.
he lives. Monkey, LaFonda, cat angels everywhere. Oh, oh, oh.